1: Okay, this being our first podcast, we'll give you a little rundown on how this works. We do a replay, which is which can help you plan a project. We do a horror story every week. Hey. Lord knows there are enough of those out there. And then we do a feature every week with a nationally known expert from around the country about various different subjects. So, Kev, what do we got for the replay? Yeah, what
0: we're going to talk about in the replay is we have a a job that we just recently did. Uh, We're going to call it the doghouse. But basically what it was due to uh, the pandemic, uh, some homeowners had made an adjustment to their garage to make a full-edition party room. And then uh, we're going to get into a horror story with this, a major horror story with the bathroom project. It's a bad one. So we'll get into that for the horror story.
1: And then for the featured segment, we have a an expert from the National Association of Realtors to talk about trends in migration during COVID, people moving from state to state, whatever. And we're going to explain what's going on there. So yeah, Kevin, great show
0: we're going to have. So now it's time for the replay, and we have a returning, returning customer coming on. So, Bob, thanks for coming on the the new podcast version of Your Valuable Home. It's great to be here. So we we want to definitely jump into this. You did something that I've never done before, but it's an addition that we've done before. But why don't you explain one of the reasons for one of the projects that we just recently completed with you?
3: We recently got COVID engaged, and my fiancé and I, I was looking at moving in, but she's got a kind of a – pre-war uh, small home. It's a little cramped. She's working from home. I'm semi-retired, but do some consulting. So I'm also working from home. Her mother lives with her in a, an addition that Kevin did a few years ago. So she's at home. And I just couldn't see myself moving into this space without someplace that I could go to do my work and to have a little peace and quiet. So Unfortunately, on the small property that we have, the only place we could go is above a two-car detached garage. As long as we were going to put something above it, we decided to give up one of the car stalls and turn that into a little bar party room. So we have a bar party room downstairs and upstairs upstairs. Is the is my I, I thought it was going to be a man cave, but Maureen has explained that it's a doghouse, some place <laughs> that she can send me to whenever I get out of line.
0: So <laughs> probably the biggest doghouse I've ever built.
1: <laughs> I was wondering about that. Can yeah, you when I said the, some like staccato notes on this, and okay, doghouse. What's you, that? You built the
0: doghouse? Yes, what's I did all build the doghouse. What's that it, about?
1: So why don't you walk us through,
0: as we're entering into the building, uh, into the new part, why don't you step-by-step step going through the first floor of the bar, why you decided to do it all the way up to the upstairs, and walk us through the whole area that we built.
3: Yeah, so you as you, as you walk in, we have uh, a couple of – we have uh, large French doors that open out, uh, which we thought would help for entertaining this – especially this spring, where we're still COVID entertaining, where we can put um, some tables outside on the driveway – um, and have people social distanced and still have a chance to entertain and uh, see some friends that we haven't been able to see all winter where it's been too cold to be outside um, Kevin was able to put a, a bunch of really nice lighting on the outside so that if we're entertaining into the evening uh, we have good lighting for everybody to be able to see and um, and so it's a it's a real nice uh, Entryway. As you're standing back and looking at the garage, it's also a, a really interesting facade. So uh, it was. It, it, we added a second um, floor to the house, but used a shorter six foot um, ceiling on the on the front side of the house and some dormer windows, which provides a lot of interest. Um, and then uh, put some uh, some striped siding on it, but uh, upward facing siding on it to make a contrast to the rest of the house. It's a real beautiful approach. Everybody in the neighborhood is, is, has remarked on it. Yeah, it
1: sounds interesting. Um,
3: yeah. as, as you come in, there's a, on the right-hand side, there's a, there's a long um, extended bar. Uh, the top is a beautiful granite that's just got these uh, really interesting maroon, swirling, swimming colors on it. Uh, from left to right, we have a, you know, like a standard sink to be able to, um, you know, do your bar stuff at the sink. There's an ice maker. So we have plenty of ice. Uh, there's a, uh, drawer for trash and recycling, and then there's a 36 inch, uh, combo beer and wine fridge, uh, wine racks on one side and shelving on the other side. Um, and then finally a kegerator, which is the thing you need in every dog house, <laughs> um, and should provide for you know everything we need. On top, there are a couple of cabinets and some shelves to be able to put um, the liquor bottles up. Uh, to be able to put it there, so it's a it's a real nice. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a skinny space. It's only the size of a one car stall. Um, but by putting the the bar against the wall, kind of like a wet bar, instead of having a bartender take up a whole bunch of space behind it. It gave us a a nice amount of space, Um, and so it's a beautiful area. I'm actually, the the pub tables just arrived today, so I just started this morning, and I'll have pub tables and chairs set up by this afternoon, and we'll be at least ready for a small party, which will be beautiful.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to it. I'd say some of the challenges. Interesting use of space. Yeah, well, the, the challenge, you know, Bob. Here, so here's one question for you, more serious question. What was more difficult, getting the liquor license or getting the permit for this job? What was the one that's going to be a little more difficult?
3: <laughs> the the permit was a ridiculous process, um, and uh, and by the way, it, Kevin should tell the story because he has more battle scars than I do. Um, you know we hired a, an architect and put together a set of drawings and submitted what we have always submitted in terms of uh putting together uh, doing addition work didn't think there was a big problem we went before the zoning board we needed a couple of variances we were like a foot and a half taller than you're allowed to be on a um, on on top of a uh, detached garage um, the garage is too close to the neighbor's thing but that's the existing garage so it was it was an easy get the zoning board was very simple and and supportive then it went into the permitting process where kevin you should talk about it because you went through just back handsprings to try to make this happen
0: it, for being in business for 31 years uh, permits to me around my area that i've been working on have been easy they've been in and out a couple weeks you're done it's changed it no it's just there's a certain entity that really keeps uh, the permit process a little bit more difficult. And I, Look, I, I get it. I need you, you need information, but after three months of asking for information, so I, I even showed some of these questions that the inspector was asking to other tough inspectors in the area. And they said, what is this? What is he asking for? I, I really don't know. Uh, so we, we had a difficult process, but doing the job was was easy. We didn't really have any issues uh, with. I mean, besides snow uh, in this quarter where we, where we live, in, it was a mess with snow. It just didn't stop. But we we got it done on time. We we worked straight through it, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the spring of being out there, because it, it like you said, it is it's magnificent. We put enough lights in. The only thing we couldn't get was that neon sign for the bar that we're going to put outside. <laughs> Say hey, here's the doghouse. Come
1: on in.
3: I in. I have one, Kevin. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: bring, it out. bring it out. I'm going to make an interesting comment here. We have uh, in our show next week. We're going to we have uh, an expert on from National Association of Realtors on the subject of should you move or improve in 2021. Okay, this is an interesting execution of staying in place and improving. Okay? Oh yeah, making use of space that was uh used for a different reason and really making it viable and making it into a bar uh is pretty interesting execution. Well, what
0: I tell some people that what I did to this place, we want to see it. And I didn't really, I'm not a picture guy for some reason. I don't take it, but I know Maureen put a couple on the social media. And so a lot of people are asking, well, where's the house at? And a couple of people in the area say, listen, I, I would like to see the house. They say, listen, you turn left, turn right here. Then when you just drive down, I'm not going to give you the address. You figure it out where that house is yourself, because when you drive down on the homes, they're they're all the same homes. But when you get to their house, you'll know it's something different. It looks phenomenal because you have that area like Bob was talking about. That was a board and batten. That was uh, we we put up. We did a, a double six siding, which is my patent color, which I hate to say is uh, used by us a lot. That uh, it looks like the outside of an avocado, and we we've done that. But when I tell people this, when you, you see it, the first response I get back, yeah, I was driving down, and every house looked the same till I I saw it. It looks amazing because it doesn't look like any other house in the neighborhood. It doesn't belong in here and everything they've done. And it's what's great is that Bob's neighbors, they all get along. So that's where they're going to be partying for the next uh, few years.
1: Yeah, there's dark colors. When you drive through a neighborhood, there's dark colors really, really pop because nothing ever like that, like that ever happened before. You know, it's just. Yeah, we talked about it when we were doing radio at that
0: time, but now that we're doing podcasts, I want to get Bob on to talk about uh, this product that we did. And now let's go to the upstairs and talk about why you need that upstairs.
1: That's the dog oh, without getting in it's, trouble it's with to, marine, That's the doghouse, right?
3: Yes. <laughs> that's the doghouse. Um, although it's the doghouse pub downstairs just for um, consistency's sake. But, uh, you know, as, as you come up the stairs, um, we did have a little trouble because the um, with, by improving on the existing garage, we were only able to get about a seven-foot ceiling instead of a normal eight-foot. And I can tell you, I had... I had some an interesting time trying to get a sectional sofa through that seven foot ceiling and up onto the we stairs. We saw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did ding it up pretty good as I was doing it by myself in a in a uh, walking boot with one foot that doesn't work too well. But I got it up there, um, and uh, it, there was, it we could have gone through a window if we needed to. But I was able to get it up. It's uh, you come up the stairs. It's kind of a you know up to a landing turn and come up and into the main room main room is very generous it's probably like 12 by 21 something like that maybe 14 by 21 and uh and just wide open uh as you look across it uh in the far corner there's a nice sectional sofa with a, a coffee table that has what we're putting in with a lift so you can turn it into a a dining room table or a meeting table. If one day I'm able to bring consulting clients in, we need to sit around, you know, a, a regular table, uh, which will be nice. To, and then, on the on the as you move closer to the staircase, there are some there'll be some files and uh, a desk that. Is going to sit right in front of one of those dormer windows so i can just look out and see what's going on in the neighborhood neighborhood full of little children that are in covid all out all every nice day playing and and just the sounds are so joyful and it's especially as you get a little bit older where you don't have to deal with kids 24 hours a day and there's somebody else's kids when they're out having a good time it's just, you just love to hear it it's a lot of fun um in fact, I can even look over that. That window looks right over to where Maureen's office is in her, that spare bedroom in her house on the second floor. So I can, I, I could pull a tin can uh, phone line so we could talk during the day. She <laughs> always make, has so, an you eye on her.
1: You can communicate.
0: Yeah, it's only about <laughs> 10 feet apart between the rooms. Because when yeah. we were building, I, I've seen her in the office doing work in that back bedroom. She was always waving to us. And same with her mom. We uh, stopped by. At least we can wave through the window uh, being safe that way. And it was it was working great because I've been doing work with the Marine for 20-plus years from our old house till now. And uh, it's awesome. We have a blast. My foreman, Dave, loves being over there. When I told him what we were doing, he couldn't grasp that we were building a doghouse. And I finally showed him the plans. And he said, oh, I think I'm going to have to stop by when uh, everything gets better. So we, uh, he's really looking forward to
1: getting by, too. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about it, too. How many square feet is that upstairs?
3: It's a little over twenty by twenty, so you know a little north of four hundred square feet. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's
1: enough space, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's a
3: full bath upstairs, wow. so there's a beautiful um, ceramic, you know, built-in shower um, that uh, that Ken Adams helped us or Tom Adams helped us do a, a nice job uh, uh, picking out some interesting patterns and some stuff that uh, I, I hadn't seen before. Uh, and, you know, just some nice uh, uh, nice uh, work in the rest of the bathroom, uh, very comfortable. It allows me to come over to the doghouse and shower and not mess up her sh- bathroom. But
0: <laughs> well, the problem not is you built another over. bathroom better than hers. That was the big problem. Yeah. <laughs> I think you overdid it. That, that's a problem, just to let you know.
3: I offered her to let her do, redo her bathroom, but she loves it. It's, it's this old um bathroom it was built in the 40s so it's got this old heavy iron or you know heavy tub that's beautiful and and it's got this you know vintage pink tile, bright shiny pink tile that you know that you can't get that stuff anymore and if you did look, no. it, it lo- wouldn't look right yeah, okay. but the original stuff looks fantastic and she just doesn't really want to tear everything down yet she's a little attached to the um to the history and to the um you know just the, her sense of, of of the home, and so eventually she'll probably want a new one, but uh, that's okay. And there's all, and then next to the bathroom, I also was able to get a, a very nice sized walk in closet. Um, so as I move uh, my stuff out here, I'll be able to put all my clothes and and nonsense in the in a pretty generous closet. Perfect.
1: It sounds like you got the perfect solution there. Yeah, it's, he it's did. A, a very interesting solution. And
3: um, yeah, and it's also a really nice guest. Um, crash pad. So if people come, the, the sofa has a fold-out queen-size bed. And so, you know, people can come and stay. They have their own bathroom. They have, you know, their own full um, space where they, with lots of privacy. And then when they want to come over and join when they want us to come over and join the party, I guess, because the party's usually going to be over here (laughs) we'll come over.
0: Yeah, well, I told Dave, I said, it's like that TV show Murphy Brown where Elvin's always there and living there now because he started doing so much work. So hopefully Dave's not there living (laughs) on your couch when you get there one of the days. (laughs) He may be there. (laughs) You may
1: find him there one day.
0: He would be. He really gets along well with Bob. So, Bob, I really appreciate you coming on your Valuable Home podcast. And uh, we'll keep you updated and um, move in, have some fun. We'll get in there and touch up the paint that uh, (laughs) had been damaged, but it's not a problem for you. And uh, thanks for listening.
3: Yeah, thank you. And tell Bay, if he does move in, Maureen has a very long to-do list. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, thanks again, Mike.
1: Take care. Stay Bye. safe.
0: Terry, around all those years on the radio talking about a horror story, and this is our first horror story of the podcast, I wanted to be a doozy. This one is a doozy. You talk about problems with, with contractors, that's what this show is so well-needed for, is to understand contractors do this so it doesn't happen to you we have Put aaron. a spotlight on it oh yeah, yeah. This, this is going to be a doozy so aaron now uh, contacted me and uh, he had a little bit of a bathroom problem so when he tells a story because nobody's going to believe the stories i had to get the pictures of it to really show you that hey this is what's happening and people do do this yeah i'm looking at him right now. so down. aaron thanks for coming on the podcast show of your valuable home and uh, we like to talk to you about that uh, fabulous bathroom that uh, you're going to have but let's talk about what why you needed to do the bathroom so quickly
4: Sure. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Um, yeah, Kevin, it, it was interesting. So um, my uh, my wife noted <clears throat> that we had some water damage um, on an exterior wall in our, our laundry room. So it starts with something small. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, we, we looked around a little, no leaks on the outside. We could see we, we didn't think there was anything going on on the inside. But when I, I started poking around... Um, you know, where, that, uh, where, where we could see sort of like the, the water stain. Um, unfortunately, um, the drywall that was there gave way like paper towel, which isn't a good sign, obviously. Not a
1: good sign, no. <laughs> no.
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so I started removing it just to see what was there. Um, and, and lo and behold, there's, there's like significant rot that I'm seeing, um, which is, is never a good sign. Um, I, I started talking to some people, and the, the feeling was it was probably a, uh, a shower pan issue. Um, you know, my understanding is, is, unfortunately, they can leak from time to time. Um, and so that's, that's sort of what we had started with. The good news is um, somewhere on our roadmap for home improvements, you know, we've been in this home for 12 years, and uh, you know, always uh, maintenance and, and tinkering to upgrade, um, we did want to um, replace our, our shower. Um, the bad news is it was going to be sooner than we wanted to. Um, and so um, we, we then had a, uh, a contractor come in and start doing uh, demo work for us because shower pan leak, uh, that, that's about our option there uh, to get into it. Um, and when we did that, uh, that, that some things got, got really pretty unpleasant. Um, you know, what, what we saw was, like, extensive damage um, to um, our subfloor. Um, you know, the, the plywood there um, was, like, giving away if, if you just, like, touched it, um, which wasn't particularly good. There was, um, you know, in the corners we could see rot. Um, you know, like the, the framing around where the, the shower was, it was, like, giving away. We had a, a shop vac we were vacuuming stuff up with, and it was just, like, flaking off. Um I don't mean a little <laughs> yeah, I mean the uh, the, the, the wood there was was going away when we were doing that um, and so so as as we started looking at that, it's like the uh the the, the rim joist um, was in bad shape um the the sill plate had rot on it is is there was a a significant uh water issue that we had
0: yeah when you're shop backing your structure, that's not a great <laughs> sign you are cleaning not up your sign, structure yeah. that way. Yeah. You were, you were about six weeks away from having a, a built-in tub, if you let that, because it, it was sinking. You were going to fall through that floor. That's how bad that plywood was.
1: Let me ask you this, Aaron. Uh, would, did you have that bathroom done or was that bathroom done or redone when you bought the house?
4: <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so, so I think I mentioned before, we've been in that house about 12 years um, and one of the appeals we had was um, it had like my wife actually had fallen in love with our master bath. It was something like out of a, a luxury hotel. Um, the previous owner had uh, had work done there. Also worth mentioning uh, for the uh, the kitchen, which is what had caught my eye. Um, but uh, you know we bought the house with this, but this was work that was done um, after the house was built. The the house itself is about 25 years old. 25 years old.
0: So what you do so. It was a shower pan. I, I still do a ton of them shower pan. So just to give everybody an idea for our contractors that are listening, when you're doing a shower pan, you've got to bring it up the walls 12 inches. Now, so Aaron, when you took that, your contractor that was there took the, the walls down, how far was that shower pan turned up the wall?
4: Uh, about uh, two inches maybe. There you go. Or less. Pan. Yeah.
0: So basically the pan was filling up and then working its way over the pan into his structure. And it, was, it wasn't one or two times. This has been going on for over 12 years. That was in because everything was complete mulch, so everything had to be torn out. We had to restructure the whole area, putting LVL beams in, restructured so that it could take the load.
1: But you also said that the, uh, the the drywall was saturated too, right? So he used drywall; he didn't use cement board.
0: Yes, for a shower. Yeah, which is well, another we, big factor. which
1: it can, but it does fall apart quicker.
0: So these are some of the things that we're going to be talking about further in the show when we get into the bathroom breakdowns. Is that when you have a bathroom, and it's going to be done this way? There are different ways of doing it. I am still old fashioned. Where I like to put the panning in, but one thing you got to do that I noticed right away, you've got to pre-pitch that pan. So when water does get under the panning, it's going to be able to go to the drain. They put fiber, fiber rock down first and then put the panning on top of that. So all it was was a flat piece underneath. So that water was sitting in there. As it built up, it, the capillary action took you over the right into the panning the and then just absorbed into the wall over that yeah. amount of time. Wow. But it was such a slow leak because that it needs time for rot to <laughs> Happen. But for that much rot to happen, you had to have excessive excessive amount of water to be brought into that situation. Over that long period of time, that rot that occurred, but it was it was a slow leak over time because they didn't see any damage over the what five, six years that you were there prior to that 12 years that had happened to get to this point. And yep. with that, since it's not done right – it could have been a lot worse for you without doing this. So I'm glad you did the investigation finding those water spots because a lot of people just overlooked that saying, hey, we have a small leak, we're not really sure. Nobody knows until they actually start prodding into that area and see what you do have, and it was bad.
1: No, let me ask you No, this. it was. Sorry. What's your, what's your best advice to somebody? Um, hire a right contractor. Hire, well, yeah, that's obvious. That's obvious. But how do they look and see which steps are being followed properly?
0: Well, that's what we're going to talk about on the show, but anybody that's that's in the bathroom by doing this, you you have those certain steps that you need to do, and following those steps that you have to is, number one, putting the panning in correctly, hiring the right guy to do the panning, but make sure it's pitched correctly. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of times where uh, they're putting that mud around the shower drain and clogging the secondary drains. I like to put a uh, um, a little bit of uh, pea gravel in that area, so it allows all these precautionary measures so you don't have problems. And great, anybody can have a problem, but by doing these things... Uh, it makes it a lot easier for you as a homeowner to understand that i 've got the right job because sometimes that price is not always dictating what you actually should be getting because now look at the problem that you had to go through and the extra expense that you 're paying for to uh to do this you know so that 's what I've, I've been looking at but uh yeah when when we go into further podcasts we 're definitely going to be getting into, into more information about this but aaron i I tell you 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 definitely had a doozy there the the contractor whoever worked on that prior. Uh, really puts you in a bad predicament, and uh, you know, I'm going to be showing those pictures if you don't mind uh, on my Facebook page to show you that. Uh, hey, if you do have a bathroom uh, and you're you are getting a uh, a contractor to give you a price, to so make sure you, you understand that estimate, and that's what we're here for on the show. Now that we're into podcasting, you you as a homeowner, you, you, you got to cover that price up. I, I tell people all the time, cover that price. Don't read that price. Just mm-hmm. don't cover it up. Mm-hmm. Look at what you're getting. What is that method of application? Who's doing the work? And then roll that price into what they're doing, and that's going to determine if that contractor knows what he's doing and if you've got a great value for that and he price. questions about it, too. You do. Just you have to take ask questions. take for granted. The whole you know, times, Aaron, I, I'm sure I told you this before, is that people see this low price. They put their head in the sand thinking they're getting a great job because they see the low price, but they know there's some things in there that is not going to be done right. But if you're paying this low price and people thinking, hey, I'm going to get this great job, hey, it's a lot cheaper, but look at the problem that Aaron's run into. Uh, if it was done right the first time, this great kitchen, that's one of the reasons why they bought the house. They would have never had to redo this. That's why they bought the house. So as a contractor, you know, there, especially with COVID, now that it's in play, there are hundreds of thousands of new contractors just in the state of Pennsylvania alone. And I'm telling you, people are still sending me when we were on the radio. Now that we're on the, numbers. And the numbers really jumped up. They're, they're jumping up. Yeah. but It's not contractors that know what they're doing. Now listen, I'm not here to badmouth contractors. I'm just telling you that there's certain ways of doing things that you've got to do it right. And it is going to cost money. You coming in low and not giving the homeowner what they're going to or should be getting is going to be a problem for this homeowner years down the line. And it's giving us contractors a bad name. That's why I always say when you do a job, let's break these estimates down to, to make sure you make that
4: educated decision.
1: So, Iron, we got about uh, forty-five seconds left. Where do you stand with this right now?
4: Um, so, actually, we're in pretty good shape. Is um, the uh, the contractor who uh, was doing the, uh, the the shower for us has it at this point? We are, are grouting. Um, in a couple of days, we're going to be adding in the uh, getting the plumbing going now, and and everything's back on course. Um, one of the things I really appreciated about uh, the work when Kevin came in to, to help us out was uh, he and the team were able to fix it the right way. And from the inside, when we talked to some other people, they, they were suggesting that we take down our um, exterior, come in from the outside, which with a stucco home is also a, a, an oh, expensive that proposition. Would have
1: been a <laughs> yeah. That would um, a nightmare.
4: Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the lesson for us was the importance of talking and understanding how things can be done and making sure we're finding someone who wants to, to fix things the right way.
3: Well,
0: thank yeah. you. Yeah, I do appreciate that. You're definitely in good shape from now. And one real quick thing is that the, the original plumbing that was all the outside wall, the half-inch plumbing, we pulled that off. So we did a double wall, put a lot of insulation behind there. So Aaron's not going to have a problem again. So Aaron, you're definitely in good shape. And uh, good luck with your your bathroom. And uh, we do appreciate you coming on the podcast version of Your Valuable Home.
1: Good luck to you, Aaron. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much, guys.
0: Bye-bye. All right, Ron. Now it's time for our first college of our podcast. And I know you always come up with some great ideas. So what have we got going on?
1: Okay. Today, uh, for our first podcast, we have Dr. Jessica Lotz, uh Vice President of Demographics and Behavioral Insights, for the National Association of Realtors, for a discussion of why and where people have moved over the past year and what's ahead for 2021. Dr. Loutz is no stranger to your valuable home. She's been on before. Provided valuable insight to our listeners when we were on Philadelphia's number one talk radio station before we flipped the switch to podcasting. Doctor louts Kevin, and I live in Bucks County, where the real estate market is is red hot right now. A house you would have paid four hundred thousand for pre COVID is going for about a hundred thousand more right now, uh, maybe even more than that. We're about seventy eight miles from uh, New York and Connecticut, about thirty five miles from Philadelphia. We're seeing a lot of home buying activity from people from New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, even Philadelphia. What's going on here? Is it the escape from COVID? What is it?
2: So the escape from COVID was definitely leading the pack. I think if we we talked about this maybe a year ago or even nine months ago, it's Mm -hmm. certainly still a concern Um, as the vaccine rolls out. I think that people are feeling more confident um, being in more dense areas, being in cities, but remote work is really driving behavior right now. If you can work from a remote location, have a bigger place around you, be able to walk on your property, on your land, enjoy your house more, you're going to take advantage of that, especially if you have good broadband access. But the other trend that I think is a little under the radar that we really need to pay attention to is the value and the importance of having family around you right now. So if you are from that area and you're saying, you know, I moved to New York City as a young adult, but now perhaps I want to buy my own place. This is suddenly a very attractive time because you can work remotely and your family is down the street. And that's a beautiful thing for people right now, especially in COVID.
1: Is there also a desire to find lower cost properties?
2: Absolutely. So even thinking about outside of New York City, that's just an expensive market. And so anywhere you go is probably going to be less expensive than looking in New York City at a condo. Um, but what we know is that a lot of people are saying, you know what, I can actually move from California and I can go to Idaho right now. I can work remotely and there suddenly I can buy a home for half the price of what I would have paid in LA. And so people are very attractive to getting these price discounts, but having and ending up with a bigger single family home than they would have if they had looked in the area that they were working in.
1: Well, um. It it, it adds a lot of freedom to everybody's schedule, uh, the working remotely business. But as more people get vaccinated and herd immunity comes about, is that likely to retract a little bit?
2: That is such a big decision for CEOs to make right now. And I think a lot of them are probably grappling with what that decision is and what they're going to have. Are they going to have increased flexibility moving forward? I know just thinking about Um, looking in my own household, there's the question of who can work remotely permanently, who can't work remotely, who can work remotely now three days a week when they used to have to go into the office five days a week. And even if you have that type of flexibility, that suddenly does open up options because then maybe you keep your condo in the city, but you only commute in those couple days or that long commute in, that's not actually that hard anymore because, you enjoy your podcast as you ride into the city or as you drive in, whatever you're doing, and you can actually um, have that time to yourself, maybe outside of your household. So I think CEOs right now are making this decision, and that's going to drive housing moving forward. I think there's a lot of people who are kind of in this wait and see mode as the vaccine does roll out.
1: That'll probably, I mean, if it really sticks, and and uh, a lot of companies allow even a hybrid, okay? it's probably going to dip the commercial real estate market, isn't it?
2: I think it's going to have an impact. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've already seen it have an impact in looking at those small cafes, looking at the places where you used to grab your coffee in the morning and your sandwich at lunch in city centers. Absolutely, it's had an impact. Um, So I think that this will have a ripple effect into the economy. But I know last week we had our our first ever uh, real estate forecast summit. And we looked at the new creative ways that places are looking at commercial businesses. So maybe you used to have a shopping mall in the past, and that's a vacant shopping mall because people don't go to shopping malls anymore. And even pre-COVID, they weren't really going to shopping malls. Um, And what our brilliant commercial economists did is they took a look at that and those business models and they said, how are these being repurposed? How are they being used now as real estate, as residential real estate, or how are they being used as hospital centers? And so we looked at the new creative ways that that places are are renovating. So even thinking about hotel spaces or motel spaces, and those are being renovated into condos. Um, we have a lack of residential real estate in the U.S. And so if there's any way to really add those units in um, through these new creative ways, I, I think that businesses will look at that.
1: Has the movement also been spurred by high high tax states? New York is you know known for high taxes. New Jersey, I think, is highest taxes in the in the country, doesn't it? Uh, and people moving out of high-tax states that were really hit by COVID? Does that is that a factor too?
2: So I'm definitely not the tax expert, but I will say um, that it, that will have an impact in some people and what their choices are, especially when they look to reduce retirement. And we know that Florida has always been one of the popular places to move, Because of taxes and the the benefits that people do have when they do move to that state. Um, Of course, there's also the sunshine and the ability to golf every day of the year. um, But that definitely is an impact as well to your wallet.
1: And then what about um, mortgage rates? Historically low low mortgage rates. I think they're creeping up again right now, aren't they? But they've really been low.
2: They are. And even if they're creeping up, we're still talking about these interest rates well in the low threes. And that's definitely a benefit for the 30 or four fixed uh, interest rate. And we're seeing consumers who are out there, they're not just purchasing their primary residence. They're actually saying, you know what, I can actually take advantage. Retirement could be 10, 15, maybe just 20 years off, but I can't buy a property for this uh, low of an interest rate and really have this type of property right now. So I think that's what we also could be seeing Is that in places that were traditionally only seasonally based, maybe their ski areas or their beach resort areas, people are actually saying, I want to buy an early retirement purchase, a vacation homes uh, that I can go and relax at, maybe I'll Airbnb it or VRBO it. Currently, but I'll be able to enjoy my time there right now because the interest rates are so low. So wealthy Americans they're able to pick up that second property right now where maybe they wouldn't have been able to pre-COVID. Yeah,
1: it seems like there's a lot of money around right now. Uh, <laughs> we we bid on a house. Uh, my girlfriend, her daughter is looking for a house, and we you, you saw the house. Yeah, Kevin saw the house. Yeah, we bid two seventy five on the house. It was it was basically a gut. Okay, two seventy five, and. It sold for five forty-five. <laughs> Go figure that out, right? So they are basically buying it for the property in a in a in a housing development where that you probably top out at around six fifty to begin with. I I couldn't figure that out, but somebody made sense to somebody, and that's the kind of thing that's happening in Bucks County. Is the same thing happening in other areas of the country? Take take Chicago, L.A., all the big cities. Are people leaving big? Are they leaving big cities?
2: If they have the flexibility to do that, they are. And but I do have to underscore here too, we're talking about these wealthy Americans, the 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 people who actually can participate in this economy. I mean, I think that's an important thing to to underscore here is that there's a lot of Americans who can't right now. Um they maybe they worked in the service sector, maybe they worked at your local dentist's office, and they certainly don't have the same amount of clients who are coming in now as they had in the past. What we do know though is there's a lot of Americans who could take their laptop home and they could work from home. And then they didn't have anything for entertainment. They had nothing for vacation for last year. They didn't even have to go get their haircut or pay for gas. So suddenly they do have a lot chocked away in savings and they have the ability to look at different markets. So maybe not the market that they're living in for their primary residence, but suddenly that vacation home, they can bid and they can bid uh, with a lot of other buyers who are lined up at that door to really put a contract onto that home.
1: I would think too, with uh, a lot of two earner households, uh, out there that the requirements for space have changed too. Need two offices in the house, not one, right? Uh, Absolutely. and you probably need a bigger house too if you've got kids and you've got to find a way to work, make that all work so it, it adds up to more space, doesn't it?
2: It does, absolutely. So besides those two home offices, I certainly feel that in my own house right now. Uh, But there's also the idea of Zoom school and the idea of even if you're you're going to school live maybe one day a week or you're going to school now two days a week, you still have to find some homeschool space. And maybe that's the kitchen table. But for a lot of families, that's not going to work, especially if you have multiple kids in that house that everyone's jockeying for good Wi-Fi. Everyone's jockeying for enough elbow room to lay out the books. It just doesn't work. And so I think there's a lot of families who are looking for a little desk space as well as the adult desk space.
0: Well, that's where I've been coming in over the past, uh, I'd say about six months. A lot of the, the estimates that I've been going on have been redo kitchens and then offices. We like to incorporate inside the envelope an office space and not one, two of them. There's another spot where the kids need to get that little bit of privacy because they are doing in-home schooling. And that has been a big, big selling feature over the past six months that I've been doing. I've been seeing as a contractor uh, just in the industry.
1: Yeah, I don't know how a lot of parents, uh, a lot of two-earner families deal with that, to tell you the truth. I don't know. It's got to be really tough. got to be really tough.
2: I think it is. And I'll I'll take the conversation a completely different way. Something that we have seen in the last year is the boom in multigenerational buyers, so people who are bringing older adult relatives into their house. Obviously, COVID is a big safety concern with nursing homes. We know that that was a really big issue um, across the country. But the other thing that older adult relatives can do is essentially their daycare, their homeschooling their grandkids because they have the ability to help them out while their parents are trying to work and be on Zoom calls themselves. So um, I, I think the caregiving probably goes both ways in that situation. Um, but as far as looking at what people need in their homes right now, it's definitely space and it's not just space for the nuclear family unit, but it's space for grandma, too.
0: Yeah, so what we just did at our house uh, last year since uh, we got shut down on COVID. We actually put an in-law suite in yeah, for, for my in-laws.
1: Very apropos uh, of what he did, yeah.
0: Exactly what you just talked about. Uh, we, we saw my daughter who's in uh freshman in ninth grade, and uh, it, it works out great. So you're absolutely right on what you said there. We we do agree. And we have been building a lot of in-law suites over the past couple months also, bidding on, and we have coming up in the summertime, we're going to be doing a lot of in-law suites just for that same reason that you talked about.
2: Yeah, my big question to that, too, is um, if, a, if an older adult relative was in a nursing home before that has safety guardrails that has wider hallways that has wider doorways for walkers, how do homes today accommodate that? And is remodeling really ramping up to be able to make these safe spaces for older adults who are now in an actual family home? I, I think those are big questions for families.
0: Right and now. that you need to think ahead. That's one of the things that we were thinking just if in certain circumstances, my father who's 82 in great health, but what if? Uh, he had to get in a a chair to get him up the steps. So we actually made the steps five feet wide on both sides to accommodate for that. So that's something, thinking in the construction field, that anybody needs to do that. And, Ron, we can do some shows on this down as we go through yeah, this podcast. Yeah, I mean, and his
1: house is a model of this. Is it's a that model for this. Thinking
0: yep. ahead as a contractor, and we can do that. But it it's unbelievable knowledge to have that with your contractor that what you just said is if you are going to do something like that, you're right. We need to accommodate for the multigenerational – some of the older citizens that are going to be moving into these places that you you need the bigger bathroom, you need the bigger doorways, the bigger steps, just for that reason. Absolutely.
1: So a in, in multi-generational, it probably wouldn't involve a lot of millennials. It would involve somebody your your age, like pushing 50, right? Right, so yeah. one with kids.
3: <laughs> right. So with kids. It,
2: we, we did just release a report on this actually yesterday, and we found that 18% of Gen X buyers, so that, that small generation that's wedged in between the boomers and the millennials, that 18% of them purchased a multi-generational home last year. So that that's an incredible amount. That's almost one in five. Um, that's an incredible amount of Gen Xers who now have to accommodate an older adult relative. Perhaps it's even a kid who's boomerang back over the age of 18. Somehow they're making everything work within this house. And a lot of them have young kids too, that they're trying to make it all work in, the, in this
1: big mix. Makes a lot of sense. It makes sense for you, right? And sure it works, does. It works for him, though. No, I've had I've been over his house for dinner. There's no complaints. Everybody over here. pitches in, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's like uh, it really works. Yeah, you know? it does. So let me ask you this: is is this is this migration or whatever you want to call it? Is it doing something for the rental market as well?
2: That's a that's a very big question. So uh, we know right now that a lot of renters are hard hit. Um, and we know that they have they had a hard time because a lot of them work in jobs that may be in the service sector, and they may have had hours cut right now and so they can't necessarily work their full hours. Um, that has ripple effects that that impacts mom and pop landlords who are having a hard time collecting rent right now. Uh, we know that there is some relief that it is coming with the latest COVID package, but I think this all has yet to be seen and those ripple effects to come in um, because there there's just a lot of Americans suffering right now, and I, I do think that is worth underscoring. Is this is a K shaped recovery where we do see a lot of Americans excelling and they're even doing better than they were last year pre COVID, but there's a lot of Americans who are trying to regroup right now may have to double up with family because they don't actually have more options out there on
1: the table. Yeah, I think the gig economy, uh, restaurant workers, uh, that that kind of employment has really taken a hit here. But on the other end of the scale, I see people like in Bucks County, I see people who probably have benefited from the whole thing, you know, and had made a lot of money specifically in the stock market. If you had the money, you could make money in the stock market, which has roared throughout the whole period.
2: Yeah, and if you own that Airbnb property, you're probably doing pretty well right now, too. Uh, just scanning through listings myself at Airbnb properties, seeing the the things that they're putting in there, like, we have cleaning protocols, we'll keep it safe for you. But here's a monthly discount where you can work here um, in a little office space where perhaps you don't even have that in your home. They're probably doing pretty well.
1: All right. Uh, it's really a two-part question. Uh, in 2020, and looking backward from there, uh, were most people moving interstate or intrastate because you could, I mean, in New York, you could go to upstate New York if you wanted to.
2: Yeah, traditionally, most people don't move that far. We're talking about a median of about ten to twelve miles that most people move. Um, as you look at older generations, they're moving closer to thirty-five to forty miles. Uh, most people do move within their state, but it will be interesting when we look back at the pandemic numbers to see how far people have moved um, and if they're moving to different regions or to different states. We just don't have that hard data on that yet mm-hmm. um, to to see if there has been a growth there.
1: And um, a related question. Has there been a time, I mean, did this really result in a great migration or was it happening before COVID started, which probably probably dates to like March of last year, I would think, officially?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a there's a couple answers to that. One is that we had been seeing that young adults, younger millennials, they were really looking for affordable places that they could buy a single-family home. And you certainly can't do that in so many suburbs. You can't do that downtown. Obviously, the the limited inventory, just jockeying for a small condo could be very difficult. So we saw a rise in recent years of young adult buyers who are saying, you know what, I'm going to move to a small town for affordability and really be able to buy this single-family home. But during the pandemic, we saw a big acceleration in this trend where everyone suddenly said, no, I need a single family home. I need a bigger home. And so you saw this acceleration of people moving farther out. Maybe it's a farther out suburb, but it's still a suburb and people making that move. But certainly small towns, rural areas really popping up as well, as long as there's good broadband. I think that's the important key there is you have to have good, good Wi-Fi access.
0: Well, do you think that was one of the reasons why when people were moving out to these suburban areas that the prices of homes were skyrocketing?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, just looking at all of the metro areas that we track, every single one of the MSAs that we track has year-over-year home price growth. I think that's something that's incredibly interesting. Um, We may have said that, yes, there's home price growth, double-digit home price growth in Boston or New York, San Francisco, Seattle last year, but now seeing it at every single MSA that's really astronomical. I mean, that is something where we're seeing a very big move of people saying, "I have to move. This house is not working for me. It's not going to fit my needs. It's not fitting my family needs. I have to find a different place."
1: So it's it's a it's a national phenomenon.
2: It is a national phenomenon for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and it, there's been lots of articles written about this, but even the idea of people looking sight unseen um, and really purchasing a home without physically seeing that home. We saw 5% of buyers last year actually did this. They, they relied on their realtor. They said, show me the home inside, show me the neighborhood outside, answer all my questions, but I'm going to put a contract down without physically seeing the home. Um, that's something that we really had no reason to report on years before. Uh, but it is a growth in people who are, who are placing a lot of trust in this.
1: You know what else I'm experiencing anyway in Bucks County? I think Bucks County is a good, um, uh, micro look at this whole phenomenon, right? Is people moving down from New York, selling maybe a, uh, an apartment in Manhattan and something out on the island. And a million three in Bucks County looks like chump change to them, you know, because of what they, what they cashed out on in New York. Now, a lot of that's yeah. happening. A lot of that's happening. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And it, there was a big growth in buyers, too, who the, the share of buyers, who purchased more than a half million dollar home. That's a very, very nice home in many, many areas of this country. Um, but it grew to to a quarter of buyers during the pandemic to just in the teens pre-pandemic. So we are seeing that this is a different type of buyer, but they're buying a, a bigger home, too. They're buying a more expensive
1: home. And that that's consistent with, with what we're saying where we live. And that's what Consistent with what you are working on, too, right? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, every, pretty day. much yeah. Yeah, every day, yeah.
0: Every day, yeah. What was strange about it was when, when my in laws actually put their house up for sale because we the, the addition was done, they're ready to move in. It was a bidding war in one day. It sold. There were nineteen people in one day, and it went to a bidding war. And the number it, it looked like let's make a deal, Monty Hall's. Let's make a deal. The number's going up, and they just actually uh, probably got about fifteen percent more than the asking price and sold in a day. But that's what I am hearing across the board. Is that something you are also hearing too?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the, the biggest struggle for buyers right now, of course, is to find the right property. There is no inventory available for them. Um, we're seeing and we're reporting on our month supply right now is at 1.9 month supply. That's the lowest we've actually reported out before. Here's the thing. That's not really even the true month supply because that includes pending contracts. So the real month supply is even lower than that. Um, it, it really is very, very tight uh, for for buyers to be able to enter in this market. And Especially if you're a first-time home buyer, you may not have the cash to to participate in these bidding wars, and so you're really struggling to be able to enter into that market.
1: Yeah, it's uh, we're looking for uh, Gina, you know, for a house for Gina. Weekend after weekend after weekend. That's my daughter's, uh, my, my, my uh, girlfriend's daughter and her son-in-law. And it's like if you find one and you take more than twenty seconds to make up your mind, it's gone. You know, you you have to know exactly what you're looking for and go out and find it and make a deal on it.
0: Well, I believe that's why the inline makes it a little bit easier that she was talking about that. They'd rather just go online because they might not have that time to actually physically see the property. It's Especially tough. if they're going within 24 hours. They're definitely going to need to have that availability it's, online to get it's, that.
1: It's tough. It really is tough. It's not, it's, it's a seller's market through and through. We just had a place in our development sell for 800,000. 800,000. I'm in a, in an, in an active 85 adult 85 and older community. community. Yeah. So. Not 55 and older. Active <laughs> adult community.
2: <laughs> you certainly don't look 85. You look real good for 85. No, no, no. I'm not 85. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually 74.
1: I'm 74. But
0: um but you yo know, hear one of the things that I do got to say is that these people are spending over for the homes. I get it. I understand it. That's the way the market's going. Now, I'm coming in as a contractor. They say, listen, we bought this house. It needs a lot of work. Now, they overpaid for the house. Now, they have the funds they need to get up to do the kitchen, which is completely outdated. They want that bigger kitchen, the, the extra office space, uh, room for the kids that got to be done. So, the, the house now needs to be modified and they're they're coming short on the, the the shortfall for the funds to do these projects. So that's some of the things that I'm seeing, but again with the the availability of money being so cheap to borrow, uh, a lot of them are doing that and having the funds to to capitalize on this, but there's there's a bunch of homes that I've been into just recently that said uh, we don't have the funds right now. We're just trying to get an idea of what it's going to cost to add these rooms to the house.
1: Although on the flip side, I mean, uh, I've heard a lot lately and it's Bucks County, that's my experience again of, uh, cash deals at eight and nine hundred thousand dollars, cash deals. Got cash, quick closing, no, no inspections. What's, what's not so like, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's happening too. Let me ask you this question. Right now, what are the top, say, five or 10 states for inbound inter, interstate, uh, migration?
2: Oh, that is a very good question and one that, might get kind of outside of my area to tell you the truth. Obviously areas that are close to big metro areas are going to be very popular right now. So if you can, if you can actually make that a stretch commute to you and really have some podcast time, if you have to go into the office, I think those are the areas that are really doing very well right now. Um, but as far as pinpointing local areas, it really is out of my breath. But if we're talking about close to New York City, obviously Connecticut going to be hot. New Jersey, going to be hot. Pennsylvania, going to be hot. Because you can actually commute there if you had to go into the office. If your boss said, come in tomorrow, you could do it, even though you might grow.
1: So what are the states that are losing the most in terms of population and probably tax revenue as well, right?
2: So I don't think that there's, there, the, the question is was posed to me. So what's going to happen to these metro areas? Are buyers going to come into these condos and things like that? Are they going to lose population? I don't think so. And the reason why I don't think so is that there's so many first-time homebuyers who have been in the pipeline for such a long period of time. They now can finally compete on those condos. They want to be in city centers and they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And now finally, there's a little bit of this movement towards these suburbs and people are moving out for more space and now they can actually get in there. And they they do want to go back into the office. I don't think everyone's the same. So I don't think that we're going to see Suddenly, this emptying out of complete areas.
1: Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree too. Yeah. Uh, what's all this mean for the future? Real estate prices in the move out – lower real estate prices in the move out states, higher real estate prices in the move in states?
2: Oof. Uh, what, That's a you big want me to question. The yeah. future in, in this COVID environment. Okay. So
1: <laughs> he does that gonna, a lot.
2: He throws
0: a lot of those tricky <laughs> questions in.
2: Okay. Sweet. Okay. So I guess what I would say for the future and what it holds is that real estate is hot right now. As CEOs say, this is what my work from home. This is what your work schedule will look like. People will feel more confident actually entering the real estate market and actually saying, you know what? Now I know what I can do where I can live. I think there's a lot of uncertainty right now as people don't know for sure, and so they're 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 waiting and they're holding. And we could actually see more buyers enter the market as things are ironed out with the workplaces. I think that there's always going to be a huge demand for for city centers. For urban areas, especially as the vaccine is rolled out, people are going to feel confident. They're going to have this roaring 20s, and people are going to want to go out um, and, and really have the amenities that a city center does provide. The entertainment, the theaters, the museums, all the all the sporting events, all of those things are, are really going to be hot moving forward.
0: It looks yeah. like we're going in that direction would we, right now. Oh, it's Talking about inside the cities, going to the sporting events. I see the turn right now. i mean, a big NHL fan, but I'm, I'm starting to see the fans are at the games. or so are starting to go that way. Now, if we asked this question maybe about six months ago, I'm sure it would have been a little bit different. I'm sure in three months from now, it's still going to be different because of the ever-changing of the vaccines. People right. get more comfortable about it, the herd immunity that, that the doctors keep talking about. I see it coming. I'm in people's homes every day, uh, and I, I see it. They're, not that we're relaxed, not wearing the mask, social distance. We're still doing everything by the books, but I they feel more comfortable. With us being in there, but back about six months ago, it was, hey, make sure you stay away. Don't, don't get near us. And we're so those protocols are still in place, but you can see the confidence level with the homeowners that they're definitely feeling better about uh, with the real estate, with people, the market, everything going in the right direction. And that comfort level is going to be where they're going to be buying.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think as uh, vaccinations, what is about a third of the U.S. population, maybe a little less than a third of the U.S. population right now has been vaccinated, but is that? moves along, I think you're gonna see cities like New York come back. Because New York's always gonna be New York. Okay? You always have Broadway, you've got the financial district in New York, it's gonna come back. Because I I saw a dip once before. I got I I got offered half of what I paid for my one apartment in New York three years after I bought it. I wanted to get out. And then after that I sold it for double what I paid for. Was that so the 1940s? New York is that way. Hmm? Was that in the forties? No it wasn't in the forties, no. wasn't in the forties. No. <laughs> okay. Um How about trends among specific demographic groups, millennials versus Gen Xers versus boomers? How do you see that sort of shifting or evening out? Yeah, that's a big question.
2: Uh, So I'll tell you that Gen Xers, they were hard hit by the Great Recession. They seem to be coming back financially. They seem to be more confident at this point. Uh, They're buying the most expensive homes. They have the highest incomes. They're in the peak of their career. Uh, What we see for the boomers is that they are the largest generation of sellers today. They are moving longer distances huge priority for them to be close to friends and family. It's the number one reason to move. That's not necessarily to even downsize. They're not necessarily downsizing in space, but they want to be close to friends and family. Um, they may be downsizing in price, but not in space. Uh, the other big thing that we're seeing is that millennials, contrary to people in public opinion, they are the largest generation of buyers and they are out there as a force. Um, in our reports, we do separate younger millennials to older millennials millennials have hit the age of 40 uh so we we do have to separate out someone who's 22 versus 40 because they're going to have different buying patterns but what we see is that younger millennials have been able to rely on family help they've been able to live with family first use their family's help for down payment assistance and be able to enter home ownership perhaps buying a home that needs some elbow, elbow grease an older home But they are entering millennials who are pushing that age of 40, likely to have kids in the home, likely to have different priorities. But being close to work is a big priority for millennial buyers, for sure.
1: Yeah, I think nobody is into today. If you talk to younger people, I commuted to New York from Bucks County for 23 years. If I had to do it over again, I would not do it. But nobody wants to do that today. Nobody wants to commute extremely long distances. And this makes a lot of sense. I mean, it takes a lot out of your life, you know. You miss a lot. You miss your kids growing up and all that stuff, which I did. So what's ahead? If you got your crystal ball there, what's ahead for 2021? Do you see major changes in what's happening in the real estate market for 2021?
2: Uh, for 2021, people are going to take advantage of low interest rates. They're going to continue being active in the real estate market. Home prices are going to go up, which is going to be great for owners going to be great for that equity, Uh, going to be hard for buyers to be able to enter the market. We need more inventory. I mean, underscoring that, I, I can't underscore it enough. We do need more inventory. Um, We really are at these these all time lows that are really difficult for buyers to be able to enter. And it's pushing up prices uh that can be really out of reach for a lot of buyers out there.
1: Well, that's, that, we're just about out of time now. We're winding down. The clock's winding down. But listen, that was absolutely phenomenal.
0: Great information. As it was
1: the first time you were on. And we thank you, Dr. Jessica Lounce from, uh, National Association of Realtors. And, um, like to have you back again sometime, you know, maybe mid, mid year and talk about what's happening, what's happening then. Okay. Thank you very much.
0: All right. And that's a wrap for this week's podcast of your valuable home.
1: Stay safe. Stay safe. That's this week's podcast. Your Valuable Home comes to you every week on the new Pod City Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, and all other popular podcast directories.
0: If you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story, email me at kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. That's kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price.